Well, good morning and happy Easter. Yeah, my name is Cole, and I'm one of the pastors here, well, here at Central. Uh, you might be confused. We actually don't meet here every week. Um, it is. It's been so lonely each week you've come. Um, but yes, so glad everybody came today. Uh, but yeah, I, we, I want to invite you. Um, obviously, like I said, we don't meet here every week, but we do meet at a church over off Hanley Road in, in Davis, and we'd love to, for you to join us and uh, experience our community. Uh, and yeah, we'd love for you to, to check it out. Uh, Central, at our core, uh, believes in transformation. We believe in uh, the renewing power of the Holy Spirit, and, and it's really interesting. Today, we get a really good glimpse of that, right? The resurrection, the, the, the fact that Jesus has risen is a um, pretty glaring and, and declarative moment where we say that the Lord transforms um, people in the world. In the world. And so before we get any further, uh, would you pray with me? Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be with us um, this morning. Show us something uh, new. uh, Encourage our hearts. Give us strength and hope. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think the best way and the most fitting way to talk about these last few verses in John 20 is to actually go back to John 1. And it says this, the word was first, the word present to God, God present to the word, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life and the life was the light to live by. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, this true life was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. See, he was in the world. The world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he said he was, and would do what he said, he made them to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. Children born not of natural descent or human decision, but born of God. And the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And John pointed him out and called, This is the one, the one I told you was coming after me. But in fact, he was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me. He has always been He's always had the first word. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. See, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Yet no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who himself, God, has made him known to us. Now, when you read the Gospel of John from start to finish, Uh, you can't help but see there's a clear aim towards resurrection. Even restoration through resurrection. It is the consistent message that Jesus has come to make things right. The word has been made flesh and moved into the neighborhood. and and, And this Jesus is about restoring brokenness. Brokenness with our relationship with God. Brokenness with the relationship towards ourselves and to one another. And even in relationship to creation itself. And if we're honest, we experience this brokenness. We've seen it. We had Good Friday, and we see it in our world. 
and our feelings of, of not adding up or the feelings of attempting to keep our life together to see it all crumble with just a few words or a few actions. We see it, see it through the brokenness in our families, the fracturing of relationships through differing ideologies and opinions, the polarization of politics and just about everything in our time seems to be ripping apart relationships at the seams, all along leaving us heartbroken, angry, and lonely. We see and experience war, violence, and injustice in our world. From shootings in a subway to a war in Ukraine, we feel the weight of brokenness, and we know that the reality that this can't be it, that this shouldn't be it, this can't be it, that this can't be the way it's supposed to be. And it's in this belief and this understanding that Jesus has something to say. Because Jesus has experienced this. That in all of the brokenness, all of the craziness, that, God, that Jesus has made a way back to God when there seemed to be no way. That he brings healing and strength to love when it is hard in our relationships. And that the resurrection is the beginning. At the beginning of when all the sad things, all the bad things, all the hard things have an expiration date. But Jesus knows. He's experienced the brokenness. We see the stations of the cross that we had earlier. You, you, walk, you walk the stations and you, and you walk from condemnation to resurrection. And the resurrection was a declaration. The declaration that, darkness, that the darkness of the cross, the darkness of our sin and brokenness, and the darkness of death itself cannot and will not overcome the light. And the fact that he has risen from the grave gives us hope and assurance in our eternal future, and also purpose, purpose and mission to live now. Because the resurrection has something to say about our lives in the future and right now. Back again to the understanding that Jesus knows the weight of this brokenness. And I think, I think what we see in these snapshots that we've read with, with Mary and the disciples and Thomas is we see that he understands the weight of what's been going on. He, and he brings in that weight, in their grief, in their anxiety, he enters in and he brings them peace and hope and a call to life. And I think that's why these snapshots are so helpful and if we let it hit close to home. I was listening to a podcast recently that was interviewing the author Michael Lewis. And maybe some of you know, I wrote Blindside and all kinds of other books. Um, but last May, Michael and his wife, Grace, lost their daughter in a car accident. And in the podcast, he, he said some things and told some stories that were really beautiful and difficult as he's journeyed through this deep grief. But one thing he said about his grief that I found really profound was, he said this, at one point I realized that I had been trying to break a story and remake it but realizing all along that I've lost the main character. And I would imagine as an author that this was the way of him trying to wrap his mind around just what has happened and, it's, and in the ways and the words of his craft to try to wrap his mind around all of this. But I think in many ways at the tomb in the garden with Mary and the upper room with the disciples and Thomas, these friends and followers of Jesus were trying to remake the story and not having any idea of what the way forward was. Yet all of a sudden, the main character shows up again. 
he shows up and he, and he doesn't berate them with not having enough faith. Uh, he doesn't berate them and that they didn't know everything they needed to know, but he enters into their emotional state where they needed him most, and they, he offered them peace and life. He meets Mary in the garden at the tomb in her grief. His words to her, uh, and while he's encountering her, is, is, why are you weeping? And then he says her name. He says Mary. And I don't know if you know, like, it, it, someone you love, someone you care about, when they say your name, you know it, you feel it. And in that moment, he's bringing her comfort and hope. And then he sends her to tell the others as an, as an act of proclamation. It was an act of trust and love in a time where her testimony in most places, or in all of those places at the time, wouldn't be trusted just because she's a woman. But Jesus comforts her, sees her, and sends her. He meets the disciples in their anxiety, in their fear, in their grief. His first words to them who, who were huddled up afraid of being arrested and caught, who were anxious about what's next and grieving the loss of their friend and teacher, he says, peace be with you. And that's not the first time Jesus has said this to them. I think, it, I think when they heard it, they probably heard John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give you peace as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus, Jesus enters into their struggle, their anxiety, and offers peace, and then breathes life into them. I want to mention that when I talk about the restoration of broken things, I mean things have been broken since Genesis 3, the fall, where sin and brokenness began, where it began to seep into every inch of our world. And I want you to see that here in the resurrection is a reversal. The reversal has been begun. New life, new beginning, new creation. The tomb is in a garden. The image should remind us of the Garden of Eden, where brokenness began, the work of the cross, and the resurrection begins something new. And we read earlier the words that in the beginning uh, and that in Genesis we see that the Spirit of God hovered over the, over the earth, creating uh, and being. And John tells us nothing came into being without him, and yet should also remind us that Adam, when created, God breathed life into him. And Jesus, too, breathed life into the disciples that they may go and believe. And he meets Thomas. He meets Thomas in his doubt and his grief. I think Thomas gets a bad rap, um, be honest with you. Because like two chapters later, he's like, he and Peter are like, let's go do this. Let's go die. We're going to go die. Let's go die. It's fine. Let's go die. And yet then all of a sudden he gets to this moment and he's, he is the doubter. And I think, you know, as we understand grief and denial and all this stuff, I think he's really in that space. He has no idea. The main character is gone and he has no idea what he's going to do. Yet Jesus enters in to his doubt and sadness and calls him out, grants him peace, gives him hope, and he believes. So the end of John 20 Belief and life are meant to be this whole narrative, this whole conversation from John 1 to where we are now. Belief and life. And in using John's words in uh, John 3, he says that whoever believes in Jesus may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that, ev that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And for God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
This is the belief that God really does love you. That you are not too far gone for God's grace and his mercy. His grace and his mercy bought for you by the death of, his, of, of Jesus on the cross and sealed for us at the resurrection. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. In all of this, that we might have life. Life in his name. Eternal life. Yes, we mentioned that earlier in John 3, that, that there is an eternal future, right? But our eternal life, just as much as our eternal future, lives now. We live it now. It collides with our now. It has something to say about how we live. The resurrection gives us hope. It seals our future while informing how we live in the present. And I think Paul says that, or I think the reason Paul says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, and that, that those who believe in his name, is that we can live this life out in the strength of the resurrection, the resurrection power, that the kingdom of God that has been inaugurated and modeled by King Jesus and our status as children and heirs, we are about his kingdom now, pointing to the future, but bringing it now. Life is found in those moments, the pursuit of flourishing in every area of our lives. There's not one square inch, as Abraham Kuyper says, uh, of this earth that Christ does not declare of mine, which also means there is not one person, not one place, not one thing that is beyond the reach of the love of God. Everything matters. Every person matters. Do you believe that? Do you believe? It is in Jesus and because of his life, death, and resurrection and ascension that you can find peace in our crazy, anxious, and angry world. You can find comfort in what seems at times to seem like a culture of death. And life in his name, both for all eternity and a purpose to live it out now. So today, I pray you take hope and heart that the darkness could not, cannot, and will not overcome Jesus. And sin cannot defeat him. Death didn't work. <laughs> he is risen. It's even that even in our rebellion, in our most rebellious state, Christ died for the rebellious. So Christ sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. So believe, or even as the author of John even gives this, or continue to believe <laughs> that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for this time. We thank you for a celebration that, Jesus, you have in fact risen from the, dead, or from the grave and that there is power in your name. There is power in the resurrection. And Spirit, as you've breathed new life into us, may we live as we ought to, love as we ought to, Lord, change our hearts. Be with us this day, we pray. Amen.